Chapter 25 of Harry D. or Making It Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by John Brandon. Harry D. or Making It Out by Francis J. Wynne. Chapter 25 In Which Rose Scarborough Renews Our Acquaintance and sings us several astonishing songs. Harry Quip, Percy, Frank, Tom, and myself took our outing beside the pretty lake in Wisconsin, where we renewed our acquaintance with Mr. Scarborough and his graceless son. Rose renewed our acquaintances herself. She met us at the depot, all smiles and courtesies. "'Hello, little girl,' called Tom. "'Hello, sir.' Can you sing Jesus, Savior of my soul yet, little girl? Oh, yes, sir. And I know ten, eleven, twelve new tunes. How do you do, Frank Burdock? You didn't write to me after all your promises. Poor Frank blushed scarlet, Harry Quip grinned, while Tom choked and coughed and laughed till the tears ran down his face. Frank scowled on each of us in turn, but relented on catching Percy's eye. The enfant terrible did not exactly perceive in what she had been witty, but taking it for granted that there was sufficient reasons for laughing, she joined us in our merriment. She continued, Say, Percy, I know two of your sisters. They go to the Sacred Heart Convent at Clifton near Cincinnati. That's where I go to school now, and I'm going to be a Catholic next year. And that's where I learned to sing twelve new tunes and I'm going to sing them all for Tom Playfair, because he likes my singing and I like him. Here she gave Tom an ingenious look, this enfant terrible, which sent Percy into a musical laugh, and a flush of color upon Mr. Tom's cheek. Oh, yes, I was talking about your sisters. They're the sweetest, nicest girls. Oh, how I love them. They're nicer than any girls I ever met. As nice and kind and gentle as you are, Percy. Thereupon we all departed incontinently, leaving the artless miss not a little astonished at our strange conduct. She bore us no ill will, however, for she came over of set purpose that evening to sing for Tom's special behoof, Jesus, lover of my soul. Very vividly, as her sweet treble broke so gently upon our ears did we recall the scene upon the lake. I turned my head aside till the little one had finished, and thought I heard a sob from Percy, but could not trust myself to look around. Your voice is nicer than ever, little girl. Is it? I'll sing you another song, Tom. Thereupon the delighted vocalist gave us a very pretty Ave Maristella. We all applauded. Did you like that? she asked, her eyes dancing. We did, little girl. Then here's another for you, Percy. And to our amazement and Percy's total discomfiture, she sang a very tuneful German song, beginning, How can I leave thee? But when she came to the words, I would sooner life than thee resign, Tom held up his hand. Desist, little girl, desist. I beg your pardon, sir? You see, Little girl, went on Tom gravely, 
We've got to draw the line somewhere. What do you want to draw a line for? said this very ingenious little one. All the way around that song, little girl, it's too personal. This isn't leap year, isn't it? Rose was very much puzzled. No, you'll have to wait two years more at least before you can sing that song for Percy. Oh, but I've got another song for Frank Burdock. What's it about, little girl? It begins, Believe me, of all those endearing young charms. Even Tom could keep his countenance no longer. You don't mean to say, little girl, that the nuns coached you up in these songs. Oh, no, sir. I learned them all by myself. You did, but they're love songs. Rose looked at him very composedly. I don't care. I'm not going to be a nun. Whereupon Tom gave up. From that day, Miss Rose became a frequent visitor. She had a supreme disregard for conventionalities and conducted herself in a way that was certainly unique. Vacation passed all too quickly. During the summer months I received, through my father, letters from the detective bureau, each and every one of them announcing a fresh clue. My father got weary of this at last and wrote, Dear Mr. Tinker, I am completely discouraged. If you announce any more clues, I shall resign all hope of ever meeting Mrs. Raymore in this world. Tell your sleepless detectives to take a little needful repose. Yours sincerely, John D. In answer to which he received very promptly a heavy bill for services rendered. Each announcement of a clue cost a good round sum of money. My father enclosed the full amount by a return mail and took occasion to inform the indefatigable tinker that he would try to worry along without the services of his insomnia-ridden bureau, and that, were it necessary, he would be willing to pay him a certain yearly allowance to induce him and his men not to unsteady their intellects on the looking up of labyrinthine clues. So it seemed to us we were done with clues, as the sequel to which I now hasten will show, we were mistaken. End of chapter 25